0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, sometimes we take our role seriously here as a little bit of a watchdog when coaches say things that are not true. I do feel like I have the, uh, or, or at least when it's at least hypocritical, maybe. Hypocritical is better uh, a better thing than completely untrue. I feel like it's my obligation to point that out. Sometimes it feels like we end up doing a lot of that kind of stuff for Florida coach Dan Mullen, and we'll do some of that again today. Georgia fans will want to pay very close attention to the question that Mullen was asked yesterday and the answer that he gave. Let me set the stage for you this way of uh, programs all across the sec and college football are beginning their summer camps the start of practices that will eventually lead to the beginning of the season georgia getting going here at the end of this week we'll get a chance to hear very soon heading through the weekend from georgia coach kirby smart and some of the georgia players there that's going to be really fun florida did all of this uh, tap dance yesterday and longtime florida reporter pat Dooley, now retired from the gainesville sun but a guy who's been close to the Gators program for quite some time, got a chance to ask Mullen yesterday about what Dooley sees as a lot of hype around Georgia here this offseason and what that means to a Florida team that did win the SEC East a year ago. And Dan Mullen in his answer, well, he just pretends he hadn't heard a word of this. And that's not been the kind of thing that he's uh, interested in whatsoever. I, I think I've got some some uh, nits to pick with both the question and the answer, but let me let you hear it first, and then we'll kind of get into it after that. Let me let you hear Pat Dooley talking to Dan Mullen. Do you think that this team will come in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because everybody is, you know, so fell in love with Georgia this summer, and, and, and they're not getting a lot of love in the preseason? Yeah, I don't know that they noticed that. I think it's an edge of their competitiveness as a team. I, I don't know. I don't ask our guys. I don't pay much attention to that stuff, to be honest with you. But I I, I like looking at that of, of the edge of our team and where that are and the competitiveness of our guys. So I do. I don't know a chip on our shoulder about that, but I think a chip on their shoulder, the edge of, uh, just kind of edgy on who they are and the type of team that they want to become. That they have that chip on their shoulder uh, to want to go compete and be a championship team. This is a jerky thing to do because, as I say frequently, words are sometimes hard, and I use the wrong words frequently. But you hear Mullins like. I'm just interested in the team and the edge of the team and where that are. Uh, it's like, there's a little bit of a grammatical thing in there from Dan Mullen uh, that I think needs to be pointed out uh, where the edge of our team are right now as we head towards the upcoming season, I believe Mullen says. But beyond that, the thing that uh, kind of I find very interesting about Dan Mullen there isn't this notion of, oh, is, are people picking Georgia? I, I didn't see that. I don't pay much attention to that kind of stuff. That's the biggest crock of malarkey I've ever heard because Dan Mullen made all kinds of headlines at SEC Media a couple of weeks ago showing you how much he does pay attention to this kind of stuff. And listen... You can be the uh, kind of coach that like listens to everything and uses that as fuel of motivation, or you can be the kind of coach that truly doesn't seem to care about the media at all and doesn't pay attention to any kind of that stuff whatsoever. I think there are ways to be a successful coach that has big-time rabbit ears, that's listening to everything that's being said, and the kind of coach that just locks the door in your office and only worries about what you got to do. But what you can't be is one thing while you pretend to be something else. You can't be one of these guys that apparently is listening to everything at the same time while you pretend that you're somehow floating above that, transcending the idea of preseason predictions and anything like that. And so what Dan Mullen says... I don't know how our team is responding to Georgia being picked to win the SEC East because I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. But if you want to go back to a couple of weeks ago, I'll show you this on the screen. Or, uh, Orlando Sentinel reporter Edgar Thompson asked Dan Mullen at SEC Media Days uh, what he thought about Georgia being the team to beat in the SEC East. He says, well, hold on. Didn't they say that last year? And then you can insert your own corny laugh line there when it comes to a uh, Dan Mullen on that. In other words, saying, well, I thought they were picking Florida when the SEC East a year ago. Now we told you when Mullen said that back in July, that what he said was erroneous, that Florida was heaped with praise a year ago, commonly picked when the SEC East by many, many people. So factually, Dan Mullen was incorrect to say a bunch of people were picking Georgia a year ago, but he's also, you know, factually incorrect. I would say once again, when he acts like, well, I don't pay attention to predictions." when he uh, tried to use predictions as fuel for his team back at SEC media days back in July. So this is Dan Mullin kind of really getting it wrong on both sides of that, showing himself to be a hypocrite in one side of his mouth, pretending that he doesn't care about preseason predictions, and in the other side of his mouth back in July, bringing up the notion of preseason predictions as a way of, I guess, motivating his team or patting himself on the back or whatever he was doing with that. But even beyond all of this, let's go back to the question that was asked by the longtime Florida reporter about, as Dooley says there, everybody fell in love with Georgia over the course of the uh, offseason. Now, we're going to talk more about this in a moment with a question that JT Daniels recently faced there as well. And, you know, let's be very honest right now about Georgia offseason hype. I mean, does it really exist all that much? Now, yes, the media did predict Georgia to win the SEC East, but that is just what I said it was. That's a prediction. That's not some sort of level of hype to say Georgia going to win the SEC East because that is what Georgia has mostly done. Now, they didn't win the SEC East last year, and there are maybe some reasons as to why, but ultimately the results on the field matter. Uh, Florida won the SEC East. Georgia, Georgia didn't. So a year ago, Florida did that, but you can't pretend like the history of the world started last November. The fact is in 2017 and 2018, 2019, Georgia did win this division, including you know, important head-to-head wins against Florida in 2018-2019 that made that so. So the media picking Georgia in the SEC East isn't some unfounded hot take. It's just simply saying the thing that has mostly happened the last few years that didn't happen a year ago, we actually think it reverts back to form this year and Georgia wins the division once again. That's not some crazy prediction to say that, that a Florida team that scraped away a division win but also lost four times in the process might not come back and 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 perform at the same level again this year. That's that's not some crazy high take. That's actually a fairly you know common prediction to give. But beyond winning the division, I mean, who out there is really predicting Georgia to do much more than that? Have you seen that? And listen, I pay attention to this kind of stuff very frequently. Maybe I've missed something, but I don't believe I have. Is there any loud media voice with a significant following? Is there anyone who's kind of gone out there and said, yes, we think Georgia's going to do more than win the division. We think they're going to win the SEC. SEC." I mean, Georgia did get 50-something votes at SEC Media Days to do that, but I haven't really heard a prominent voice make that case. Uh, we haven't heard, at least that I know of, any prominent voice that's picked Georgia to win the national championship as of yet. Most people acknowledge they're on their short list of contenders. There'll be a preseason top four, top five team, something along those lines. But in terms of the kind of recognizable faces that you see on TV, have we heard any of them actually pick Georgia to win the national championship? It might happen. I don't think we've heard it yet. So I think the most important thing to identify and, and discuss when it comes to preseason, offseason hype for Georgia is, is it doesn't really exist in large measure. We said this when Kirby Smart appeared at SEC Media Days, and we may see this when Kirby Smart speaks to the media here locally as Georgia gets ready to start its summer practices. This whole you know line of thought of, if not now, when for Georgia? When are they going to win a national championship? When are they going to get that hump? The fact is, Kirby Smart didn't take a lot of questions like that at SEC Media Days. That just wasn't a big part of the chatter that he dealt with there. So right now what you see is a fairly, I guess, tepid appraisal of Georgia during this season Good enough to win the SEC East. And it seems like almost anybody with any you know significant following beyond that is taking a wait and see approach of let's see exactly how this team looks on the field before we go proclaiming them to do anything beyond winning the SEC East, which at this point in time is uh, not an unreasonable goal for a program like UGA. And, and if anything, I'd say what Florida and Georgia are both playing for a little bit this year, although Dan Mullen doesn't acknowledge that is that part of the reason why Florida's not getting any off-season hype whatsoever, not even picked to be in the preseason top 25, according to guys like Phil Steele, is because in and around beating Georgia a year ago, and listen, I'm a dog fan and a Gator hater, but you got to give Florida credit. They did win that game but in and around that, we didn't see much from Florida last year. Embarrassing bowl lost to Oklahoma and Mullen can try to explain that away if he wants to, but it did happen and in comparison to Georgia winning its bowl game against Cincinnati, that's probably a little bit of an edge in favor of Georgia. But, you know, playing close to Alabama, that kind of, you know, moral victory just doesn't get you a whole lot. That what Florida's actually playing for this off season is to propel themselves back into the offseason conversation next year, right? I mean, that's what this season's really about, that folks saw Florida break through, win the SEC East, but really not be a real threat to do anything much beyond that. And I think a lot of the media that's ignoring Florida, I think they'd probably say we're kind of ignoring them with good reason because they showed last year that they may be capable of beating a down Georgia that's got injuries and quarterback issues and things like that. But they don't really compare very favorably to the very best teams in the country. Oklahoma dragged them up and down the field for the bowl game. And to a degree, I think that's maybe a certainly uh, slightly less true for Georgia. But there is also a version of that that's true for UGA there as well that as i've said before the only thing worse than getting a bunch of off season hype is the moment when that off season hype sort of stops and you stop getting those questions of when are you going to get a national championship you know when are you going to break through and be back in the college football playoff At a certain point in time, the media, they stop asking those questions because they've sort of decided in their mind that it's no longer relevant to even wonder about that because, you know, time has passed and it just hasn't regenerated the way that it did in 2017. So Georgia's kind of playing for some of that a little bit there, too. So the bottom line is, actually, for Georgia and Florida right now, either one, there's actually not really all that much hype. But if a team like Georgia can go out there and beat up on the Gators the way we think they're supposed to on October the 30th, then maybe at that point in time, Georgia sets itself up to truly be considered the national championship contender that not many people are giving voice to them being right now. And the team that wins that game in the cocktail party later on this year kind of justifies being a relevant voice in the conversation, both at the end of the season and maybe in future years there as well, and not just one of those kind of flash in the pans that's good enough to win a division, but ultimately not much else. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. And glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're glad to see you however you watch us on video, including those of you that check us out right there, top of the page, above the fold, at dognation.com. What a great way that is to uh, to display our show on video. Very accessible for those of you who are kind of already going to dognation.com. Anyway, that's a really cool thing to be able to do. And, of course, these kinds of things, whether it be making the show available on video or what we do on podcast which by the way Monday episode number 1500 of our show I'm really excited about that all of the ways in which we do all of this made possible for our great sponsors including our friends at Kroger here today and I told you this last week and it's really true I've gotten so many people reaching out to me to say BA you know I have found so many of the school supplies that I need right there at my uh, local Kroger and that's a great thing to be able to hear because let's face it you know you get those lists from your class for your for your children and you're trying to figure out what all this kind of stuff is. And the good news is Kroger's kind of a one-stop shop for all that. They got eight plus deals on everything you might need for both what goes in the backpack, what goes, you know, in the lunchbox, the snacks, and everything else. You get all of that at Kroger, and you can check them out online for more on that. It's Kroger.com school. Kroger.com slash school you can find out a lot more about that today great to have them as part of the program great to have you with us here as well coming up in a couple of minutes we'll talk to Jeff Sintel get all kinds of UGA recruiting updates with him as we go on the road assist by AAA Phone issue persists, so we did pre-record this with Jeff yesterday, but I think you're going to really like it—a really good breakdown of Dylan Bell, the wide receiver commit from this week, and Griffin Scroggs, the offensive line commit from this week. Also, a lot of breakdown of guys that you know have made some news as of late: Jaheim Singletary decommitting from Ohio State, Ernest Green, the offensive lineman from California taking a visit to UGA. We'll find out from Jeff all about where all of that stands here coming up in just a moment but before we get to that though I do want to go around the doghouse here today which is delivered by my friends at Marco's Pizza and I want to build on the theme that I was just talking about a moment ago but there's this I think perception out there and you know certain media folks seem to to be pushing this that there's somehow this huge level of hype around Georgia as we said before you have a hard time actually identifying it, although some media members seem to think it exists. I'll give you another example of this. Marty Smith is an ESPN personality. Many of you are aware of him. And he and his partner, um, uh, is it Ryan McGee? Whatever the McGee dude's name is, uh, they were interviewing JT Daniels at SEC Media Days. Now, M- Marty asked JT about the supposed hype that exists around UGA. I don't think the question is great, but I think the JT Daniels gives a terrific answer. And my reason for playing this is, in another portion of the interview, JT kind of goes into some personal details about his, you know, uh, mental health and kind of the challenges of dealing with an injury that just kind of lingered probably a little longer than he wanted it to. That's worth hearing and reading. You should seek out the interview and find it. I'll put a link that was shared on social media so you can see that for yourself. Our buddy Mike Griffith has also written about this at dognation.com too. But I'm going to focus on the on-field part of this here for a moment. Because I think the answer that Daniels gives about what's true about Georgia, what's also true about one of Georgia's top rivals for a national championship, and the work that UGA needs to do to distinguish itself from the other top national championship contenders, I think this is a really thoughtful answer from JT. And as we get ready to begin, uh, practices for Georgia here this week, rolling through the rest of the summer, heading towards September 4th and the opener against Clemson, the words from your starting quarterback here I think carry a lot of weight. I think it's a little bit of an odd question from Marty Smith, but a great answer from JT Daniels. Take a listen to this. People
1: who analyze the Southeastern Conference every day have massive expectations for the Georgia Bulldogs every year. We hear every single year, this is Georgia's year. That refrain is very common right now entering the 2021 season as well. What do you believe your ceiling is as a team? We have the talent to do whatever we want we have we have a bunch of things like we have the pieces that we need it's on us to execute but like alabama has the talent to do whatever they want there are a lot of teams that have the capabilities to win a national championship what we have that is a separator for us is we have so many guys and i'm just going to speak in terms of offense we have so many guys we have like a, almost a whole receiving core is ones twos threes can all step on the field and are talented enough and mentally ready
0: enough to play right now that doesn't happen very often we have five running backs that if they're in the game I don't think twice they know their protections they know their run assignments we have like three deep of linemen like five or six tight ends if they're in the game doesn't matter which one of them I trust them there is a line of thought that JT Daniels explores in that question that I think is really really important and the fact that Daniels you know, being a player on this team that he's thinking this way, I think that's probably a pretty good thing for Georgia. Here's the line of thought that I think you got to consider here for a moment. Daniels essentially says that yes, we are, have gobs and gobs of talent, but so do the other teams that we're competing with. Week one against Clemson, maybe an SEC championship against Alabama. Those kinds of teams have gobs and gobs of talent there as well. So there's a word that Daniels uses that I think carries a lot of weight. He says, So here's what's going to be our separator. He uses the word separator. In other words, here is the thing that we're going to do that's hopefully going to distinguish us from the rest of the talented teams in the country. Now, I might somewhat squabble with the notion of it's the overwhelming amount of depth for Jordan that's going to be the separator there because the truth is, you know, uh, Clemson, Alabama, they have great depth there as well. As we've said on the show before, that, you know, what Daniels describes is all the potential that exists in the Georgia roster. Long list of guys, the wide receiver position, the potential they possess. Long list of guys, the tight end position, the potential they the um, possess. Same thing on, you know – all across the board deep running back things like that and as we've said the story for Georgia this summer heading to the start of the season what you hope you see in Charlotte against Clemson is that long list of potential breakout guys from that a handful of guys truly emerge as your top end performers you got to sift through the potential to find the performers and if you ask me what's the separator for Georgia going to be if that separator does emerge that to me is it that from a roster filled with potential some true high-end performers are truly identified so we may squabble with what the separator for Georgia is but the fact that Daniels is even thinking that way I think that carries a lot of value in a lot of weight that's a pretty thoughtful guy your quarterback position and as I've gotten to know JT Daniels a little bit and admittedly I guess I probably had a perception of him from the state of California as kind of a guy that went to kind of a fancy high school and goes to USC and has a lot of hype around him. It's not that I thought he would be a bad guy, but but I, I guess I was never fully prepared for just how much I would grow to like Daniels off the field as much as I've obviously found plenty of reasons to like him on the field. When Daniels talks I find myself kind of perking up, ready to listen to what he has to say because he seems to have a pretty thoughtful way of analyzing what's going on with himself, what's going on with the rest of his team, and maybe even the rest of college football there as well. So good stuff from your Georgia quarterback as the dogs get ready to begin their practices here and Boy, that September 4th game against Clemson really looms in a very big way. That is around the doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And one of the cool things like about Marco's Pizza is you know, they have all kinds of variety choices for you, whether it's the traditional kinds of pizza or those specialty pizzas made in-house that have some really, really cool uh, options and combinations. Plus, they have really cool menu items like the pizza bowl for those of you that maybe don't want the crust, that you kind of like the idea of, hey, maybe either going without the carbs or you have a dietary restriction or whatever else, uh, uh, that's one of the things that marco's pizza can provide for you there as well they're just really creative about the ways in which they put their item together plus their they're menu items together plus you're talking about you know delicious pizza uh you know melty cheese on top of you know real authentic italian crust it's just one of the things i just love marco's pizza for those reasons plus great savings there as well as you head towards the weekend keep this in mind Right now you can get a large one topping pizza for just nine ninety nine. That's incredible savings. Large one topping pizza for just nine ninety nine. You can go to the Marcos app. You should download that if you haven't, or check out Marcos.com today. You can uh, get set up for the weekend with our friends at Marcos Pizza because pizza lovers get it. All right, it's great to have you with us here today. It is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. When we are done, before we're done, long list of SEC news that I want to give you an update on. Plus, a little bit of good news for a former dog still in college and a former dog trying to make his way in the NFL. We'll give you all of that. But for now, everything related to UGA recruiting, the two big commits the dogs got this week and possibly what could be coming next after that, plus some key updates on some very big names. Let's get it all from Jeff Sintel. This is pre-recorded, but it is great on the road, assisted by AAA. Good to have you all of us with us as well. from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider Jeff I've got so much I want to talk to you about but let's begin right there we saw on Twitter from you on Thursday getting a chance to be in Raven County seeing some of Gunnar Stockton's practice and really a good looking ball coming out of that young man's hand as he gets ready to begin his senior season what did you see from Stockton today and no doubt the folks up there in the beautiful mountains of North Georgia are ready for the start of the upcoming year and Obviously, Stockton going to be a big part of that. How did you experience him here today?
1: I guess we got to say we're going to see the um, the best of Gunnar Stockton, Brandon. I, I know everybody's embracing the health kick, getting into their uh, getting into their fine fall season form. But get this, Gunnar says he feels a little bit stronger. He's squatting more than he ever has before. He's done yoga. He's worked on that core really well. Um, I got one for you. He's about six one, about two fifteen. Uh, pretty good fight and weight there for him. He feels better than he ever has before. And, um, I think coach J Bo Shaw here at Raven County, I'm actually in his office right now. Um, he said, he said, look, he, he had a little, little bit of crystal ball. He said, he said he wouldn't surprise him at all. If Gunner Stockton threw the ball for 70 yards in the air wow. in a game, in a game, this high school season, of course, they opened the year with, um, uh, I, I call the new Wintersville in the state of Georgia. That would be Jefferson and the dragons on August the 20th. Currently, there's no TV, no national TV or any kind of TV for that game. Um, You want to talk about Georgia's hopes and dreams for the future on August the 20th. You're going to have Malachi Starks on one side and Gunnar Stockton on the other. The big thing with Gunnar, and it's much like it was last year with Brock Vandegrift, is his football career is going to have a big hole in it and be incomplete if he can't get that state championship. I mean, for him, I mean, there's a lot of fascinating storylines, Brandon, for with Gunner uh, that you know came to my mind when I was up here. You know, if he has an average, he, he has the average Gunner Stockton season, which would win you a fantasy football league with a a lot of the stats from a quarterback. He's going to show up on all the Georgia high school records and probably smash several Georgia high school records, including some held by current number one draft pick Trevor Lawrence. That's what's all in front of Gunner Stockton this year.
0: I think we look back on the week that was for Georgia, you see a lot of commits, right? It was a very busy week for UGA recruiting, and the most recent of those was Griffin Scroggs, the offensive lineman under Grayson High School. I had a chance on my program Wednesday, SEC Country Live, to talk to Willie Anderson, the great former Auburn offensive lineman, many-time pro bowler, who's also been a personal tutor of Scroggs. And, Jeff, I know you've done a lot of reporting on this. It's very interesting to watch the way in which Griffin Scroggs has emerged as a player, and what Willie Anderson said – on wednesday was he thinks a lot of this would have actually happened for him a year ago had there not been covid had there been camps he would have had a chance to show that but no doubt physically scroggs who's always been tall who's always been you know above that 300 pound number is actually now a mean lean version of a low 300 number as opposed to maybe the 335 or whatever he was you know way back years ago and it is certainly an inspiring story to see somebody who As has been explained to me, love the University of Georgia, work hard to get on UGA's radar, get the offer, accept that offer. Jeff, those are the kinds of stories that I love celebrating. And I can't pretend that I don't care about four-star this and five-star that. Obviously, that's the kind of stuff I ask you about all the time. But I've also got a little room on my shelf for guys who love UGA, make it a life's ambition to get a scholarship from this program and then get a chance to do just that. Uh, That sounds pretty good to my ears as well. You know, you know, Brent,
1: I'm a sucker for a really good story. And I'm also a sucker for somebody that tells me something I've never heard before in my career. And, you know, you got a 310 pound scuba diver coming on the way to the university of Georgia, you know, Griffin Scroggs, you know, he's like, you know, somebody throws his state championship ring off the boat, 100, 125, 150 feet down. He can go down there and get it. Now, does that make you a good football player? It makes you the ability to control your breath, measure your breasts, um, you know, have very good fitness level, have a very good win. Those are all things that will translate to the game of football. And um, I I like what – this kind of reinforces what Willie said. That's great having him on there because Willie's a guy that really knows what we're talking about. I mean, he's probably one of the greatest 4-5 or offensive linemen in Cincinnati Bengals history, much less Auburn. But with Griffin, Griffin was very interesting about how – this is what we thought would happen out of COVID, Brandon. We thought there's going to be some players – that are too good for where they wind up because nobody got the chance to see them. And luckily for Griffin Scroggs, he got the chance to be seen and evaluated a lot. And now he's a Georgia Bulldog.
0: We've got more coming up with Jeff Sintel in just a moment. I want to remind you before that, though, we are on the road. It's just about AAA. You think about AAA for legendary roadside assistance, but they can also help you prevent life from being complicated when it comes to one of the most important things to consider, and that is life insurance. Uh, AAA's Financial Service Associate can help you simplify things when it comes to your life insurance. You can call 866 695 0222. I'll give you that number one more time. It's 866 695 0222. You can also stop in and speak some on your local AAA office or check out this website, AAA.com slash life for a lot more information on that and find out the ways in which AAA can help you when it comes to your life insurance. Of course, AAA Life Insurance Company is licensed in all states except for New York. Life insurance is underwritten by AAA Life Insurance Company in Livonia, Michigan, and products and features may vary by state. It is on the road assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. and Let's get back to our conversation right now. Dylan Bell, also another commit from Georgia this weekend, to Georgia this weekend, over the course of this week. Let me just make sure I say this accurately. Three-star receiver out of the state of Texas. You know, Jeff, we are in an age right now in which a three-star receiver like uh, A.D. Mitchell has gotten a lot of buzz from the Georgia program throughout the spring, one of the big performers on G-Day, and really a guy that a lot of folks have uh, a lot of thoughts that might be a big contributor during the season here this year there as well. But when you think about Bell, do you make the comparison to A.D. Mitchell? Or for those of us who have had to work pretty quickly to get acquainted with Bell, what do you think of him as a player? And what exactly is Georgia getting there in, in the person of Dylan Bell?
1: Yeah, a lot of folks are going to ring that bell for a three-star and four-star, especially when it comes to Dylan. But, you know, his film is, its I guess I won't say misleading, but you can't really get a really good read on Dylan Bell because most of his film, he's at a private school in Texas. They were kind of like the, the mythical private school state champion in Texas last year. There wasn't an official state championship game, but they went 7-0. and And, Brandon, largely he made all those plays as a running back. He had 18 touchdowns as a running back. And I think I think the sky really is undetermined there for Dylan Bell, and that's a good thing. You know, if, if someone want to start throwing out player comparisons, I would think, um, you know, somewhere between, um, you know, Karis Jackson land is a good place to start. Um, he's going to be big, Brandon. He's going to be very thick and explosive, um, kind of hard to get on the ground, 210 pounds, really long reach. And I think it. I think really the whole world – Georgia got a chance to see him several times, Brandon, and I can tell you what, there are a lot of four-stars that wanted to be Georgia Bulldogs that are higher rated. They didn't have that committable offer that Georgia didn't want to take, and they did want to bring Dylan Bell into the program. So I think you know th- this is one of those things where you just got to trust the staff here in terms of finding the guys – and they think Dylan Bell is a lot better than some of those more highly rated names that everybody was thinking about.
0: All right. So let's bounce through a few issues here. I try to cover a lot of ground quickly. How big is the Jaheem Singletary decommitment commitment from Ohio state? How big is that for Georgia? I mean, you hear other schools mentioned as well. Miami comes to mind, but what does it mean for Georgia that Singletary is back on the open market?
1: I think it just makes it, what was it? Instagram official for all you, uh, for all you folks out there that are very cosmopolitan and like to flaunt your worlds on social media. I think now that he's broken up with Ohio state, I don't really think Ohio state's a contender anymore. And for the longest time, Brandon, I I, I say on the forum, and I've said a couple of times that it was probably one of the worst kept secrets on the recruiting trail that Jaheim Singletary was likely going to come down to Georgia or Miami and not Ohio state. I think now it's out in the open. I think he's going to be much more, uh, much more open about taking his visits and making his visits. I think George is a good fit for Jaheem Singletary in the long run. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. South Florida ties aren't as big because he's from Jacksonville, Brandon. I think that's a big point that a lot of folks need to remember. Um, and you, you, the way Georgia's recruiting a lot of those Florida DBs is pretty strong in this 2022 cycle, and I, I think Singletary would be a good fit for Georgia.
0: How much did it matter that they were able to get Kamari Wilson back on campus this past weekend, the five-star safety from IMG Academy?
1: Brennan, you had to love it. Cause I know you like to start looking through those pictures and it's one thing for a kid to say, I had a family feel, but it's another thing to bring the family with you. And, yeah. th- and that's what Kamari Wilson had. I mean, I think it's everybody in the photo album that almost showed up and showed up in Athens. You saw those playful pictures he had with Will Muschamp. We've been hearing that Will Muschamp has been a, a, div- a difference maker, an impact recruiter in that Kamari Wilson. Uh, he was there, Brandon, on, July, on June the 1st. He came back, gotten really cozy with Georgia. Uh, you hear a lot of the recruits in the class point to him as the guy that has to be uh, part of this class. And I think with what Georgia's going to do, turning over the safety position, the way Georgia's recruited him, Georgia's pedigree for defensive backs, um, I'm going to say this, Brandon, he's going to be the number one guy on the top targets list until he makes his decision. That's how important he is for Georgia.
0: The four-star offensive lineman Ernest Green from California was in town. Is that a real thing? How much of a real player is Georgia for Green right now?
1: I think Georgia. Let's let's you know you got baseball on your mind, Brandon. You're a big Braves fan. I think Georgia was already on first base with the recruiting relationship through Eddie Gordon and Matt Luke. Um, the young man did his homework. He knew about Georgia get guys drafted in the league and how Georgia's putting offensive linemen in the league. They were on first base. Now he just took that visit. He was there for the cookout, the dog days of summer. I think Georgia's on second base. I think Ohio State probably is sitting on third base right now. And I think Georgia has to do a little catch up there. But I think what's happens for Georgia is they need to get that official visit. And then they have a real shot there for Ernest Green. Uh, really going to be hard for Georgia to bring in a alignment of Ernest Green's caliber. But um, there's some strong ties there to Ohio State. But um what's say, that everybody says in the recruiting world brandon shooters got to shoot and george is definitely going to shoot for uh, ernest green
0: i hate to be negative on what's usually a fun friday with us as we're going on the road with you assisted by AAA. but it's also at least someone interesting who wasn't there you know luther burden the five-star receiver that's kind of one of those pie in the sky dreams for me i'd love to have a player of that caliber in this class you got to try to find something a little bit more tangible to believe that's going to take place Maybe this weekend would have been an opportunity for that, but he's not there. I guess you should also point out that Walter Nolan, I believe was at Texas. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I believe at Texas A&M this weekend. Correct. What did, what did you make of the guys that weren't in Athens this past weekend on what turned out to be a very busy weekend of recruiting?
1: Yeah, I know I know a lot of guys in the business will trot out those Luther Burden stories because you can say number one wide receiver and you can get some energy off that. Um, I don't know, but here's what I think. Georgia doesn't – when Georgia has a 1,000-yard receiver or has a receiver putting up those type of numbers through October, I think that's when they become a serious player for Luther Burden and not before. I think that goes hand-in-hand with what everybody's goals are for Georgia's season. Um, Georgia's got to end up with one of those big boy defensive tackles, Brandon, whether it's Travis Shaw, Walter Nolan, um, Big Bear Alexander, and you can even throw the name Hero Canoe in that in that mm-hmm. mix now, Brandon. I don't know if you know the name Hero Canoe yet, but it's a really, really interesting story. George is going to get an official visit. That's a certainty. This is a young man that grew up in Germany as a soccer player. Um, he had some Nigerian roots there. And, I mean, 6'5", 295, Brandon, and I think he can play everything from a zero-tech all the way up to a five-tech. That's how versatile he is. Um, uncommon agility, Brandon. He used to be a goalkeeper, Um And when he was playing soccer in Germany, now he's in California. I think, Brandon, he's going to be 17 – he's just going to be 17 years of old when he enrolls early at some school in January. I think the defensive tackles are are going to be a constant source of conversation between us two friends right here on your Friday program. I want to ask you something, though, Brandon. If you could have – if you could have – if I could have waved the magic wand and put any of those names that were absent from the cookout, And you could have put them there in Athens having a great visit. Who would you have wanted to have there?
0: I'd go Burden one and then probably Nolan two. And, you know, between Nolan and Shaw, I guess I don't quite know which one I should think is the better between the two. I don't know that I have a fully formed opinion on that. So I'd say Burden would have been my number one and that elite defensive tackle, whether it be Nolan or Shaw, and I guess it probably would be Nolan. uh, That'd be my number two name on the list.
1: You know, I I just think the degree of difficulty with the, pull there with Oklahoma especially with Oklahoma trending to the SEC that also makes it very hard Um, you know in my mind Brandon I think you know I'm curious I don't know whether you're you like that five-star flavor but for me I think the name is probably Andre Green Jr. If you're going to get that wide receiver and check that box with a big time talented wide receiver I think that was Andre I don't think that's a big a deal that he wasn't at Georgia because he never said he was going to Georgia he did wind up with his uh, longtime favorite Clemson Uh, He he was able to check out Clemson um, recently as well. But I think that's really important, the wide receiver. I mean, you need to start speaking names into existence, Brandon, and start polishing that off, man. um, Whichever one you want to speak into existence, I, I think it might be on the offensive side of the ball rather than the defensive side of the ball.
0: Jeff, I like that. Great stuff. And we'll certainly try to do our part to speak that into existence. Thanks for being here on the road assisted by AAA. As you join us from Raven County, have a great weekend look forward to speaking to you back here again on our program very soon again as well. Yeah, lots
1: of stories. We're going to have Gunnar Stockton. we got Justice Haynes. Wow. Um, I'm going to be tonight, actually, at the big Buford versus Cedar Grove scrimmage game. Folks, that's a, that's a hog molly slobber-knocker of a – doesn't count for anything. Starters get one quarter and rotators get in there as well.
0: Are there any college You're, prospects in any of those two
1: teams, Jeff, that we should know about? <laughs> you know, I'm going to sit there and go – Who's not a college prospect? Right. And that's going to be a lot easier. You know, C.J. Madden just named sure. his top five. You got Jake Pope. Guys, get Georgia fans that are, need to start thinking about that name, Jake Pope, a little bit, too. That's right. I know he shows up on our list as well. But uh, Cedar Grove, Buford, man, uh, Friday football
0: is here in the state of Georgia. Wolves and Saints on a Friday night. That sounds like a pretty good way to do it. Jeff, thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Have a good weekend. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. By the way, speaking of uh, high school football, which you heard from Jeff Centel right there, you may see this from our friends at Score Atlanta. Our buddy I.J. Rosenberg and the entire team mayor partnering once again with Peachtree TV for a great slate of high school football this fall. And you may hear it said, let me may be the first to tell you, that I am looking forward to being a part of those broadcasts, at least a big uh, part of those, along with a huge host, of other uh, folks as we bring high school football to you later on this fall. More to come on that, but you'll hear some about this. So let me go ahead and say I am very, very excited to be back a part of the high school football scene here on the TV front in the Atlanta area in the state of Georgia here this fall, working with our friends at Score Atlanta and Peachtree TV. Great slate of games coming up. And I can't wait to tell you more about that as we get a little closer. But uh, there's some chatter starting to take place around that. So let me uh, be the first to say, really looking forward to being a big part of the high school football community here later on this fall. Before we do our SEC throw, let me also remind you about our friends at College Ave, who can really help you with one of the most important things that so many folks are thinking about this time of year. And that's figuring out how do you pay for college, especially some of those last-minute expenses. Obviously, at at times, that can be a huge challenge. And that's where College Ave can really step up here because they offer private student loans uh, that can help cover all the expenses and help make sure that you get uh, your college experience paid for, which is a uh, very important thing there. They have competitive interest rates, uh, flexible repayment plans, and great customer service. And, of course, a quick, stress-free application it takes just three minutes so it's very very easy to get set up and find out all about what your interest rate was going to be what your what your repayment plan is going to be really get all the information that you need websites on your screen if you're watching a video but I'll tell you more about it it's collegeav.com that's Ave. collegeav.com and you can find out more about how the folks from College Ave. Are helping you when it comes to paying for college make sure you check that out today as far as our sec through stuff goes a little more fun to make of dan mullen today if you don't mind so there's a big time offensive line recruiter, at least pretty big time in the state of florida named layton nelson and up until recently nelson has been a commit to the florida gators well guess what that's no longer true uh nelson flipped his commitment now listen with all due respect if you're an sec fan here's the thing that you never want to hear that our number one offensive line recruit just flipped away from us, and he flipped to UCF. But in this particular case, that's what happened. And the quote here from Nelson is pretty damning all the way around about telling Dan Mullen and uh, John Hevesy, the offensive line coach, that he wasn't coming to Florida. Here's what Nelson says. <laughs> if I could take a bath in this quote, I would. It says, uh, it was pretty tough, especially given the phone call before my commitment. Like Coach Hevesy and Dan Mullen have been, listen to this, He says, they've been spamming my phone, and they were getting, like, a little defensive about it. (laughs) A little defensive about the uh, offensive lineman flipping from Florida to UCF, the Golden Knights there. He says, I can understand that, so it's kind of hard, like, to uh, deny that. But all in all, I think UCF, uh, for the majority of recruiting, deserves uh, just excited about the future. Uh, Talks about Herb Hand, Gus Malzahn, but says Dan Mullen and the Florida offensive line coach John Hevesy were spamming his phone and got defensive when he told him he was decommitting. Uh, that's pretty entertaining stuff all the way around. On a more serious note, uh, Florida coach Dan Mullen has also talked about what I think is one of the stranger stories of this offseason, where things stand with Brenton Cox. You may remember that Cox, at one point in time, had a very cryptic tweet about being, you know, the best pass rusher in college football in 2022, and a lot of folks kind of took that and run with that, ran with that, and uh, basically tried to report on the basis of that social media post alone that Cox was out for the upcoming season in fact when I would mention this I'd have people in the comment section telling me well B.A. you didn't hear Brenton Cox is out for the year and what I'd always say in response to that is no that's not true that's just what some you know Nimrod ran with but that's not you know, the actual facts uh, uh Cox did deal with an injury but he is back at practice in a somewhat limited capacity for Florida right now this is kind of a strange story because there ever there was never really a lot of I guess follow-up on whatever the weirdness that had come out of uh the Brenton Cox story to begin with but what Mullen said this week about practice was that he's going to be out there practicing right away and trying to build him up right now the time he's missed building him up getting him back ready to being 100 percent it's not just the foot injury but his training conditioning and all that stuff you know I expect big things out of him and listen I don't deny that that Brenton Cox is supposed to be a big part of the Florida offense but if I'm a if I, or I should say Florida defense but if I'm a Gators fan Hearing about conditioning stuff and, and not just recovering from injury, but also getting getting into playing shape to be that guy coming off the edge. You better believe I'm paying pretty close attention to that if I am a uh, Florida fan. Also, uh, update from the Arkansas side of things when it comes to K.J. Jefferson. Sam Pittman kind of talking him up right now. Uh, that's the likely Arkansas starting quarterback. Pittman not outright naming him as the starter but certainly identifying him as someone who leads in that quarterback competition right now. Now Jefferson is nowhere near as well known as the starter for Arkansas a year ago Felipe Franks. Franks obviously played actually pretty well as we thought he might working with Kendall Browse a year ago. Jefferson, by comparison, is not as well known, but he was a former four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's out of the state of Mississippi, and Jefferson did play last year near the end of the year against Missouri. He was only eighteen of thirty-three; that's just fifty-something percent. But he did throw for two hundred seventy-four yards, and he threw for three touchdowns in that game. My reason for bringing up Jefferson here in this context, and Sam Pittman talking about him, is is that Arkansas is one of the more experienced teams in the SEC right now, bringing back a lot of returning production, a lot of returning starters. They did lose a big wide receiver to Oklahoma so that's an important part of the offseason evaluation of the Hogs but this is a team that just kind of brings back a lot and one of the things you're left to wonder is well what's the new quarterback going to look like in place of Felipe Franks. Franks gave the Razorbacks a chance to win some games a year ago. A little bit of confident talk from Sam Pittman when it comes to Jefferson here, who he's not naming as the starter at the moment, but calling him the number one guy in that room. And I think there'll be a lot of eyes on, especially for gamblers, people who care about you know season win totals and point spreads and things like that. Finding a capable quarterback for a team that's got a lot of experience in most other places, that could be pretty interesting for Arkansas uh, here. A couple of other SEC through stories I want to get to for just a moment. So Steve Sarkeesian has said something, and he said it in the context of you know Texas remaining in the Big 12, but SEC fans are going to hear this stuff. They're just going to roll their eyes because I think in the SEC this is much less true. So what Sarkeesian said was that he's very comfortable with the idea that Texas is going to be every team's biggest game. Now he said this in light of, you know, being lame ducks in the Big 12, and the fact that I'm sure most of the other Big 12 schools, in fact, we don't have to guess this, they've been fairly open in saying this. They're pretty irritated with Texas and Oklahoma, and they had plenty of reasons to hate Texas as it was. So, what Sarkeesian said was that he was comfortable knowing that the Longhorns were the biggest game for every team they play. But here's the thing I also hope he's comfortable with, and hope Longhorns fans themselves are comfortable with this. That may be true in the pillow soft Big 12, where they carry a lot more weight and throw a lot more weight around than they will here in the SEC. But I think one of the things that may disappoint Texas fans is the idea when they come into the SEC, they are no longer everyone's biggest game. They may be Arkansas's biggest game, they may be Texas A&M's biggest game, and they may be Oklahoma's biggest game. That quartet of schools right from the, the farthest west version of the SEC, they'll all treat each other as a very big deal. But Texas coming into Athens is no different than Alabama coming into Athens or no different than going to Jacksonville and play Florida. SEC teams are used to playing a lot of teams that have bullseyes on their back. And Texas, to the average SEC fan, does not stick out from the crowd any more than any of the other you know high-level programs in the league do. Now, listen, will there be a lot of buzz around Texas and there are a lot of SEC fans looking to take them down a peg? Yeah, that's true. But this notion that Texas casts a bigger shadow than the other programs in this league I think Steve Sarkeesian deep down knows that's not true, having been an Alabama's offensive coordinator, but important to mention that, uh, you know, nonetheless. Brian Harson, the Auburn coach, has also talked about his new wide receiver, Demetrius Robertson, saying that, you know, he has been at Auburn, he's been going through the paces there, but I guess they're still trying to dot some I's and cross some T's when it comes to the academic stuff and getting him back out there practicing. They expect that to happen sooner rather than later. As we've told you many times before, Auburn is... Pretty thin at the receiver position here this year. And so I'm fairly curious to see if Demetrius Robertson can find success at Auburn that he never found at UGA. Obviously, these summer practices are a big part of that. And getting him up to speed quickly, getting him on the practice field as quick as possible, is go, go, going to go a long way towards determining just how successful he can be in that. And Brian Harson says he's almost there, but not quite there as of yet. One more SEC through story I want to get to here uh, for just a moment. Thought it was interesting that Jimmy Callaway, the Tennessee wide receiver, was asked about the like the four different quarterbacks who are competing to be starter at Tennessee right now. You got Brian Maurer, you got Harrison Bailey, you got uh, Hendon Hooker, the former Virginia Tech quarterback, Joe Milton, the former Michigan quarterback. And, you know, Callaway was kind of giving you one of those kind of coach speak, player speak type answers, but then he did let it slip that he felt like the ball that Milton threw was completely different than what anybody else throws. He felt like that there was just more zip on that ball that Milton threw. Obviously, Milton, a pretty high-profile former, very hyped quarterback in Michigan. and At least in this one particular case, at least one Tennessee wide receiver says what he sees coming out of Milton's hands, the ball that Milton throws, is just different than the rest of the guys. I still say that if I was you know, Josh Heupel, I'd probably try to build my offense around somebody who's been there, someone more like Harrison Bailey. But interesting to hear Callaway speak up on Joe Milton there. We'll make that your SEC through. I'm going to give you a couple of updates here. On a couple of Georgia things, at least slightly Georgia notes in a moment. Before that, though, let me once again give a shout out to my friends at the Finish Long Drink. I love what the Finish Long Drink brings to the table, especially you head towards the weekend. You're talking about a ready-to-drink cocktail. Now, listen, the last thing I want to do when I'm getting ready to enjoy my weekend is to also have to you know, play bartender. Like I love bartenders, I'm just not a very good one myself when it comes to mixing my own cocktails. That's when the Finish Long Drink makes all of that irrelevant. I don't have to worry about that. It's ready to drink right out of the can. You pop the top, you can take it. Sip, you can pour it into a glass, you can do whatever you want, whether it's the long drink strong, the long drink cranberry, long drink zero, the original that kind of comes with that like grapefruit flavor and the and the gin kick. This is a fun thing to enjoy as you head towards the weekend. So if you haven't tried it yet, so many of you have, and you've been good enough to tell us when you do, but if you haven't tried it yet, find them online, thelongdrink.com. That's the longdrink.com, and you can find out golf course, beverage store, bar, Wherever you're frequenting this weekend, you can find out which ones have it, and you can check some of that out today. Make sure you try the finished long drink. So, a couple of quick notes here before we wrap things up. Rod Carey is the head coach at Temple, and this week, he has officially named former Georgia quarterback and starter week one against Arkansas. You'll remember that. Dwan Mathis, who transferred up to Philly to play for the Owls. Carey, the Temple coach, has named Dwan Mathis his starting quarterback. So, I obviously wish Dewan well. Most of you do there too. And it seems like for now things are going well. Getting a chance to be starting quarterback there for a for an FBS level program in the American Athletic Conference. And we'll see if, you know, the experience that he earned last year for Georgia helps him perform at that level for Temple. So congratulations to Dewan Mathis for getting the nod there as starting quarterback at Temple. This has pretty much been named, I guess, back in the spring there as well, but the head coach did make it official this week, so I guess do with that what you will. And then last night, I didn't see the Hall of Fame game. I was watching the Braves last night. But I did see on social media this morning that former Georgia wide receiver Tyler Simmons caught a touchdown pass in the game. And ironically, he caught it from Joshua Dobbs, the former Tennessee quarterback, who's also from Alpharetta Georgia. So happy to see Simmons still giving a go there and loving the idea of getting some uh, play for what he did in a preseason game. So he'll be forever on sides in the mind of Georgia fans. We'll never forget that. And last night he was also in the end zone as well in that game for the Steelers and the Cowboys. So pretty good stuff. Congratulations to Tyler Simmons. I can't play the NFL highlight on the show here because if I do, uh, Roger Goodell will have me thrown under the jail. But if you go to like the NFL stuff on Twitter, like you can watch if you just want to see the touchdown like I think NFL Network tweeted out the touchdown pass itself so you can watch that Tyler Simmons great job by him uh and Joshua Dobbs who uh, threw the pass there as well so with that let's wrap things up on a Friday so I told you yesterday as we do our Gator Hitter roll call that I'm a sucker for nostalgia especially when it comes to old t-shirts from the 80s and the kind of cartoon drawings that were on them and y'all are always good to respond to that kind of thing and so i showed you a cool one yesterday let me show you a really cool one today this is bark on twitter at mkd dog on twitter saying here's one of my t-shirts from the 1985 georgia florida game now the 85 georgia florida game is a pretty special one because i believe that was the day that georgia beat Uh, a highly favored Florida team what 24 to 3 Florida I believe may have been number one at the time of that game if I've got some of the facts wrong on that don't ruin a good story by correcting my errors the point is though how about this like picture on this t-shirt world's largest cocktail party Georgia versus Florida I love how fancy the dog and gator dressed up they got their tuxedos on I love everything about this, Bark-A-Lot. Thanks so much for sharing that. How about a Gator-Hater countdown to say goodbye on a Friday? 85 days from right now, dogs get some revenge against the Gators. We'll see you Monday, for show number 1500, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Talk to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll take a couple of your comments before we wrap up things here for the week. Of course, check out R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, and we talk about AC units all the time, but let's face it, you know, sometimes it's not just that that you're thinking about this time of year. If your water heater goes out, that can ruin a weekend, but the good news is, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace that for you the same day, so story after story, they've delivered smiles. They can do so for you. Find them online at rsandrews.com for more on that. Kelvin Taylor reaching out about where Georgia ranks amongst the top defenses in college football, saying that he doesn't think the media has given Georgia enough credit for defensively being what it's been, and you certainly understand you know, where that comes from. I guess, for me, what I think this year is about, and you all have heard me say this, I know that, is that last year Georgia did not play great in its best games. You know, gave up a lot of points to Florida, gave up a lot of points to Alabama, but ultimately, I still took a lot of positives from Georgia a year ago defensively because I love the identity evolution that took place for Georgia. I love this team became a team more committed to pass rush last year. And some of the things that Dan Lanning has said and Kirby Smart has said and some of the Georgia players have said, I think give further voice to that, that even though Georgia did not have great moments defensively in the games that matter most, I think that the identity of this Georgia defense, based on what happened last year, and you hope you carry that over into this year, I think the identity of the Georgia Defense actually moved in a positive direction a year ago, and so that's one of the things I'm hoping to see more of for here for this upcoming year. A couple of other things: uh, Wyatt Fielden mentioning something we mentioned in the show, the fact that Tyler Simmons caught a touchdown. That's that's just great to see. I mean, you know how these football dreams are, right? You know, guys want to have those careers, and so the fact that uh, Tyler is uh, out there doing that, I think it's a pretty awesome thing all the way around. Blake Wilson writes in to say it's an old college uh, football preview from the Sporting News. And Blake says that he thinks I, in the picture, look a little bit like David Green. Let's not take that as a great compliment. David's a good-looking dude. So I'll take that as a pretty good compliment all the way around. I also like the old-school Sporting News College football preview because that's always been one of my favorites. It doesn't really exist anymore, but I always uh, really enjoyed that. And it's good to see David Green on the cover of that. And as I said before, I'll, I'll take that as a as a compliment, uh, looking like David Green. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the case there a little bit. Um, Michael Johnson also wrote in to mention – We gave you for our golden shoe today. Now, if you're listening on podcast, you didn't see this, but you heard me talk about it. The 1985 Georgia, Florida T-shirt. And the T-shirt didn't say world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It just said world's largest cocktail party. And Michael brought that up as kind of a funny thing. And I think that's kind of funny there as well. It's like this is the cocktail party among all cocktail parties because I have to admit, I've kind of always wondered, you know, it gets the outdoor moniker, but is there an indoor cocktail party somewhere that's even larger than what happens in Jacksonville each and every year? So I guess I kind of thought that was kind of funny there as well. Good comments all the way around. We appreciate you being here for our RS Andrews podcast cool down. And I certainly appreciate you being with us for the last 1,499 episodes of our program. And I'm excited to tell you that on Monday we'll do episode number 1500. Hope to have you there for that. And the good news about that on Monday is We'll also be in the midst of reacting to what's happening on the practice field for the Georgia Bulldogs and what Georgia coach Kirby Smart and some of the Georgia players have had to say about that. So that is all really good stuff. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for both our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down when it's all said and done and R.S. Andrews taking care of you for those air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. R.S. Andrews.com for more and Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We will talk to you then, everybody.